Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. Our guest today believes the primary challenge to successful human life right now on the planet is too much, too much to do, too much to cope with, too much distraction, too much noise, too much demanding our attention, and even for many of us, too many opportunities and too many choices. Do you relate to that? I certainly do. His solution? The art of stopping. How to be still when you have to keep going. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. David Kuntz has enjoyed several careers, including 19 years as a Catholic priest, 20 years in the practice of psychotherapy, and over two decades teaching courses on managing stress and emotional health and writing. He has graduate degrees in psychology and theology and a doctorate in pastoral psychology. Among the seven books David has authored are Quiet Mind, Moments in Between, Awakened Mind, and his most recent, The Art of Stopping, How to Be Still when you have to keep going. Welcome to the show, David. I'm really happy to have you here. Julie, I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. You are welcome. And David, I don't know if you know this, but I have a traditional first question on the show that I always like to ask my guests and kind of set this conversation in a larger meme or a worldview of of wholeness. So I always like to just start, especially with new guests who have never been here before, and ask if you could share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you? Well, the first thing, of course, I think of is the quote from John Muir. When you touch anything in nature, you find that it's connected to everything else. And for me personally, what that means is that uh, I guess it's just the idea of oneness. We are all made of the same stuff. We are all stardust. We are all, um, in other words, there's really nothing essentially that separates us because we all come from the same source. So I guess the unity of everything, um, not only of human beings, but of human beings with the, with the animal kingdom, with the, uh, the, the, the rest of the life in our universe, um, everything is connected to everything else. So uh, I, I guess that's what it pulls up in my mind. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you. And the John Muir quote is one of my favorites. David, in the introduction, all those two muches, I read through them, and it's like they are so real. They're so mm. right in front of us on our planet right now. And and I have, I've been feeling them, and many of my clients are feeling the same thing, that it's just too much, too much noise, too much, to me, too much stimulation with all the media and the messaging, too much messaging coming at me from right. all directions. It's, it's really, um, it's, this is a really important topic. I would love to hear you talk about 
how the art of stopping developed and emerged for you. Like, what is your story and how did life bring you to this beautiful practice Hmm. called the art of stopping? Well, of course, it was for me, it was very, very personal. I was to all to to my awareness. I was a content and happy clergyman doing my job and everything was going along fine until all of a sudden it wasn't. The bottom sort of fell out of my life, and uh, things were not um, fulfilling me like like they did in the past. So what I did was not because of any insight or any specific knowledge that I had, but what I did was I went away and I did nothing. I rented a small cabin on the north coast of California and stayed there for a month. I was very fortunate to be able to do that. I I asked my bishop for permission, and he generously gave it to me. And I went away, and I sat in that little cabin basically for a month and did nothing. I took a watercolor class for a couple days and made some terrible pictures of that beautiful coast and uh, just sat and looked at the ocean. Upon coming back to my life, what I realized was all that time, all that silent, quiet, alone time and solitude, things were happening. A lot of things were happening. Not that I particularly noticed at the time, but that I noticed afterwards when I came back. It was like my computer was scanning my life and saying, okay, now what? This wasn't working for me, but now what do I do? This was a very, very difficult decision for me to leave the ministry because I had made a vow uh, not to do that. And this uh, would would involve breaking my vows, breaking my vows, breaking promises and expectations that so many people had of me. So I didn't want to mess it up any more than it would be messed up on its own. So that's what I did. I went away and did stopping. And as I came back and thought about that experience, that's when I developed the whole concept of stopping. So it was a very, very personal uh, midlife crisis, if you will, that, that sent me away to be still and be quiet. And it was almost accidental, really. I, I didn't do this out of any great insight thinking, oh, this is going to solve all my problems. No, I, it was sort of in a way running away, go and, go and hide and, and, and see what, what comes of it. But what came of it was, was stopping. Mm. Okay, so I want to dig deeper into that. You call it the art of stopping. And in the book, you capitalize the word stopping, meaning or inferring that this is a formal practice or a process or a system. And you brilliantly label three different kinds of practices. Um, I'll just say them for the listeners and we can dig in later. Um, Still points, stopovers and grinding halts. They're all very different from each other. And I love I love the titles, by the way. Um, stopping isn't a traditional meditation or a mindfulness practice. Um, you differentiate it, and and I love how you called it an art too. So I'd love to hear hear you describe the art part of it. But how do you see stopping? Um, share this with our listeners. What is it if it's not a meditation practice? If it's not mindfulness? Um, these three clues, still points, stopovers, and grinding halts, are are a part of that. But what is it with a stopping with a capital S? Okay, well, it, in a way, stopping is mindfulness. Stopping is meditation. But of course, there's a difference, uh, and the difference is that um, this 
kind of meditation, this kind of mindfulness is designed for the, the Western, busy, distracted mind of the 21st century. In other words, it's, it's the ancient wisdom. It's, it's, it's acknowledging, really, Julie, like, you know, there's nothing new, is there? There's any, stopping is not new. Meditation is not new. There's nothing new under the sun in many ways. But what is different, maybe, or unique, or unusual, or maybe even new, is the form that mindfulness and meditation takes. And that's the form that I think is accessible to very busy, very distracted 21st century minds. And I call it an art because <clears throat> what you, the person brings so much to the practice. It isn't the practice itself that is, is, that, that is uh, uh, an enriching experience. It's the person the person that is the enriching experience. And stopping is merely a way in which to access that wisdom. My conviction is that there is so much, as you mentioned earlier, uh, to, uh, the problem of too much, too much of everything. There are so many distractions in our lives that we cannot access the wisdom that is inherently part of every human being, a wisdom that we are born with a wisdom that is indwelling, but that wisdom is sensitive, and that wisdom must have uh, silence in order to be accessed. The distractions of life keep us from hearing that voice, and to access the voice, we need to be still, we need to be quiet, and we need to just listen. So... That's where they're divided into those three parts that you mentioned, still points, stopovers, and grinding halts. And I do that merely for the sake of uh, differentiating the amount of time that you spend doing nothing. Let, let me give you a definition of stopping. <clears throat> stopping is doing nothing as much as possible for a moment or a month in order to wake up, remember who you are and what you want. That's it. Stopping is doing nothing in order to remember who you are and what you want in this life. And if you don't remember who you are and what you want, then, you know, you, we all risk our lives becoming quite tragic. We all risk being like that executive who's climbing the ladder of success and she's climbing and she's climbing and she's getting to the top of her ladder when she realizes the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. We don't wake up some morning when we're old and gray and it's cold and it's foggy in the morning and we realize, oh no, I, I missed it. I didn't fulfill what uh, I could have, what I wanted to. Uh, that's a very, very sad moment. So stopping is uh, a, a, an exercise, a very brief, simple, easy exercise practice, which helps you avoid that very unfortunate situation. Yeah. So, so there's uh, the, the, the precious <clears throat> medicine here. You bring us in this practice of stopping, you you mentioned the the wake up and remember who you are and what you want. So 
So Mm -hmm. when we're overwhelmed, feeling buried and perhaps desperate, most people are compelled to work harder or like I always say with my husband, work smarter, not harder. And we have Mm -hmm. that conversation because he is one of those go, 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 go guys. So but there's also that try harder, keep going, work more hours. It seems counterintuitive to suggest people completely stop. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say. It it is. You're right. It's very counterintuitive and it's very countercultural. Our culture does not encourage us to stop. Our our culture encourages us to do exactly what your husband and so many of the rest of us do. Go, go, go. Accomplish things. Get things done. And and we in the Western world are very good at that. We we have shown the world how to get things done. uh, uh, and, 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 and climb the ladder of success and invent things and do things and move ahead. We're great at that. But what what the problem is, is that very often when we're going so quickly and doing so many things, we forget where we're going and why we're going there. Mm-hmm. And if we don't stop and listen to that voice, we'll end up in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. Yeah. You know, the the where and the why is important. You mentioned culture. And Mm -hmm. there's a quote in your book, um, and I love this quote. You wrote, fad-driven. I just want to say F-A-D for our listeners because it's a funny word when I say fad-driven. Fad-driven and screen-obsessed culture engenders Mm -hmm. tense and frenetic citizens who find themselves unwittingly screaming through the night on the fast train and trying to figure out, how did I get here? So, David, I love this idea. This is a cultural disease, and it's very serious. Our busyness. In fact, my husband's, um, you know, a lot of people will even label workaholic, workaholism. But that Mm -hmm. hard work is a part of his ego. And his yes. ego identity, and it's and he wears it proudly, and he rarely stops. So, say yes. more about this fad-driven and screen-obsessed culture, because we are in this information age, and like I mentioned, I'm I'm going nuts mm-hmm. with all the messaging coming at me from multiple sources now. I mean, we yes. literally, I had a, I had a person say, "You never responded to my message," and I said. I never saw a message from you. When, right. did, when did you send me a message? And, and she said, well, I did on Instagram. And, and, and I just burst out laughing. Like, <laughs> I never get on Instagram. I didn't even know you could send messages on Instagram. And I asked her, how do you send a message on Instagram? But literally, right. we have like dozens of sources coming at us. So say more about the culture, this, this disease, really, of the fad-driven and screen-obsessed culture that you you wrote about it's really important part of it is we need to learn to have boundaries and slow down and take things off of our schedule out of our lives but and and then we'll get back to that wisdom of where we're going and why but speak to the culture for a minute well well so many uh, of us uh, include all of us in this if if we're not doing doing what we are um, uh, what we make our living by or what we have to do in life, we don't know who we are. Uh, there was an example I, I gave in the book of a, a woman who, who, who asks her husband, a busy doctor, 
uh, why why are you at the office so long? So you spend so much time at the office. And he said, you know, it's the only place I know who I am. Mm. When I'm at the office, I'm a doctor and everybody knows I'm a doctor and they treat me and I know it. And then I come home and am I a father? Am I a husband? Am I a coach? Am I a fast order cook? Am I, I don't know who I am. So we have become, we have become human doings rather than human beings. And when we really become that human doing, then we're, we're in big trouble because then we're going to be at the whim of the culture and the culture is going to make the decisions for us. These are your priorities. These are what uh, you need to do. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to buy. This is where you need to live instead of where do you want to live? What, what do you want to buy? What is the wisdom that you have? And that's, that's, uh, that's why this is so countercultural. In, in some ways, stopping is so ultimately simple. It's just stopping and doing nothing. That's it. That's the complete whole package uh, uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, that's a very, very hard thing for people in our culture to do. Was it uh, Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher, said, "All of all of human beings' problems are stem stem from the inability of a person to sit still in a room." Mm-hmm. So, but think of it. Think of it. Think of it. And ask your listeners to just think in your own mind. Okay, put yourself. In, Pick a time, maybe sometime next week, maybe an hour, sometime next Tuesday morning. And go someplace where you can be alone, quiet, and undisturbed, and sit in a chair and just sit there. Sit there for an hour, a full hour. Just sit there. That is not appealing to most people. Most people say, what well, sounds crazy. Why would I do that? I have so much to do. That's just going to on and on and on and on. But my conviction, and this is where it's countercultural and paradoxical, is that if you don't do something like that or it's equivalent or some kind of stopping, then you're likely to get into trouble in one way or another. And there's lots and lots of ways that our culture gets us into trouble, workaholism and addictions. And, and my conviction is that workaholism and those addictions and those, all those bad habits that we get into are um, unexpressed desires, unexpressed feelings that are hidden from us. And we have to access them. And my, again, my conviction is the only way to access them is just shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just be still. And also my conviction is if you begin with what I call still points, those are the very, very brief moments of stopping. A few seconds, a few minutes, maybe an hour of doing nothing. And if you put two, three or four or five or 10 or 20 of those in your day, you're going to get to the end of the day more relaxed, more centered, more integrated. Because you have stopped, you have turned your energy in, and that's what a still point is, okay? It's taking a few seconds, turning your energy in, being still, closing your eyes, and doing nothing, saying a little prayer, saying an affirmation, or saying nothing, just being still.
That's the still point. And that's the entry into stopping. That's what I encourage people to start with. Start with these little moments of doing nothing so that people don't even notice that you're doing it. I used to give seminars to nurses. And I'm basically an introvert. So doing those kind of extroverted things of giving seminars is very stressful for me. So during the time that I was giving the the, uh, um, seminar, I I would do still points. A few seconds, I would just stop, turn my energy in, be still, remember why I do this work, and then I'd go back. They wouldn't even know I'd done it. No one would know you're doing it. Or if you're in a tense situation, go to the bathroom. Find some bathroom that you can go in and lock the door. Look in the mirror. Put a little cold water on your wrists. Look yourself yourself in the mirror and say, you can do this. This will be okay. You'll be fine. Take a deep breath. Turn your energy in. Be still and go back to life. Do that 10 times a day. Those are the still points. And then my conviction is you'll love that so much that you'll want to do a stopover, which is a longer. The only difference between a stopover and a still point is you do it more. You do it longer. So you'll take an afternoon. You'll take a day to do nothing. Imagine that. What is that like? And I have examples of that in the book, how people have done that. And then the third category is the grinding halt. And the grinding halt, there's, there's some people that will never do a grinding halt in their whole life, and that's fine. But many people love them and do them and enjoy them, like a month-long retreat. Can you imagine that, going for a month, or even if it's two or three weeks, a little bit less, of being still? Often uh, grinding halts come to us through at some transition in life uh, you're moving or you're getting divorced or you're getting married or you're having a child or so or or the unfortunate way of doing a grinding halt is getting sick or getting uh, having an accident and that's the way so many of us do a grinding halt which is not very effective because you're sick you're you, you, the only thing you can attend to is being sick and trying to get well so it's not as productive as an intentional grinding halt so those are the basic three ways of stopping. I, I appreciate how you've named them um, with the book. It's, it's just a fun, easy-to-remember piece. Um, we're going to take a break in a minute, and I, I want to mm-hmm. go go a little bit deeper before we, we move broader again. But I want to just say the grinding halt um, is so true. I had an accident in mm. 2014, and just a freak accident snapped six bones in my leg and it it put me in a chair in a full leg cast elevated with ice but literally it became what usually is a two to three month process literally drug out for an a year and yeah and and even more than a year but um yes it, it and so i agree with with you on this the illnesses the accidents the things that happen if we don't proactively look at our lives and and find the our own method of stopping life will find a method for us and mm-hmm, sometimes those mm-hmm. aren't so fun so exactly and, yeah so before we go on break here i just want to presence that we're, we're going to go a little deeper into the remembering where we're going and why 
<laughs> why, the why. And it, it reminds me of my favorite scripture, which is be still and know. Um, be still and know that I am God. It's like <laughs> you mentioned hearing that voice and accessing that voice. And we all have that. So we'll deepen into the medicine after the break of really how this can help your life. And we'll go a little bit broader as well. You are here listening to David Kuntz. We're talking about the art of stopping. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Begin by finding a comfortable, relaxed position. Let out whatever stress is in your body. It could be from the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes, or when you donated her private diary to the public library, or when you thought chaperoning the school dance meant actually dancing in the school dance. Whatever it is, let it go. The fire you started with that experimental dinner, let it go. The time you drove away from the gas pump with the gas pump, let it go. Three, very relaxed. Two, there you go. One. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Let's go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course. I, I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's true, I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. 
Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected where we continue the conversation. I invite you to be a more conscious, courageous, and compassionate co-creator of the beautiful, healthy world we depend on. Come work with me. There's lots of ways you can do that. And you can check out those opportunities at juliecrawl.com. Also, learn more about my guest today, David Kuntz at davidkuntz.com. That's David, K-U-N-D-T-Z. D is in David, T is in Tom, Z is in Zebra, davidkuntz.com. Oh, David, that was a lot to pack in here in in the first half of the show, but I, I really just want to stop and pause and invite us all to breathe and expand into this idea that I'm calling the medicine of stopping here, because, mm-hmm. you know, from science, we know the physical, emotional, and spiritual benefits of a meditation practice. There's a lot of science that that shows us all of the above. The thing that I really appreciate about stopping, um, that I believe there there will be emotional and physical and spiritual benefits to stopping. But the thing that I really love is it's like um, I have a Facebook group called the Daily Dose of Soul Care. And stopping is a soul care practice. I'm going to go Mm. back to that voice, back to accessing that voice. And when you were saying to know where we're going and why, like literally, I, I, you know what I'll do? I'll just read another one of this, um, one of your quotes from the book. And you wrote, before you seize anything, go for anything, dream, follow, or risk anything, you'd better know what it is you're seizing, going for, or risking. Because there is too much going on in our lives, we tend to be impulsive, to act before we think, or better, go before we stop. This quote really reminds me about the soul care, the real medicine of aligning with deeper meaning and deeper purpose and really understanding who we be at the core. This isn't just, oh yeah, I had a goal and I want to get I want to get this project done this month. This really is aligning with our soul, with mm-hmm. our destiny, with more of a, a spirit the spiritual nature of who we be. Can you speak to that? You've been a Catholic priest and a psychotherapist, and this is a really important mm-hmm. element that this frenzied lifestyle of this culture really doesn't invite us into. Even even those of great faith who attend a worship weekly may not stop and really listen like you did on your, your month-long retreat on the coast in the little cabin. So speak to this, because this is really good soul care. Okay, yes, of course. One of the things I like to talk about is what I call, <clears throat> excuse me, everyday spirituality. And by everyday spirituality, what I mean is, excuse me, the meanings and the values by which we live our lives. 
that to me is spirituality. Spirituality is a word that a lot of people find challenging. Uh, even the well-known and brilliant John Kabat-Zinn uh, doesn't particularly like the word because it means different things to different people. So he uses the word mindfulness, which I think is a great uh, other word to use. However, most people still use the word spirituality. So I decided to give give it a meaning and try to work with it. And again, my meaning for spirituality is the the, the meanings and the values by which you live your life. And by that definition, everyone, absolutely everyone, an atheist and a true believer, and everyone in between has a spirituality because we all have meanings and values by which we live our lives, whether they're examined or unexamined, they're there. And I like to join this with a, a metaphor that was given to us by James Hillman, a, a brilliant, if sort of a bad boy of the modern psychology. Um, he talked about the peaks and the valleys of spirituality. And by the peaks, he associates spirit. In the valleys, he associates soul. So the idea is that our spirituality has maybe two different aspects. The soul aspect, which is uh, sort of the messy, uh, busy, difficult, challenging things that we get into down here in the valley. It's the mother with two children and a job and uh, uh, trying to balance everything in, the, uh, in, a, in a messy kind of a situation. Uh, that is very soulful. That is very spiritual, what that mother does. And then there's the experience of the transcendent, uh, the peak experience or the spiritual experience, uh, the experience of the spirit on the mountaintop when you have a transcendent awareness of the presence of God. Also important, also wonderful. But, but if you only have the peaks and none of the valleys, or if you only have the valleys and none of the peaks, that's what gets you into trouble. And my conviction is that stopping helps you both on the peak transcendent experience of spirit and down in the messy challenges of the valley. That's what stopping allows you to access, have a sort of a, what I would call a complete kind of spirituality and not something that's just sort of oh, nebulous and formless. Mm. How do you work with clients um when they haven't had the transcendent experiences, mm. how do you, and, and just to expand that, I mean, a lot of people will have the valleys and they get life, lifing. Right. And many say, I've never had that mountaintop experience. I've never had a oneness experience. I've never had that ephemeral, uh, you know, place that we go that's ineffable. What's the, how do you work with clients and and those who haven't had that transcendent experience to really understand the why and the the what and the why of their life and this journey that you're inviting them into yeah and you know i uh, the only answer i can give to that is that i encourage the the the, the practice that we're that we're talking about stopping in other words you're not we're not, none of us, I don't think, are going to have real transcendent experiences unless we're still enough to be aware of them. That kind of transcendence and that kind of peak, insightful moment, uh, they're, let's face it, as you say, they're rare in most human lives. 
and they're rare in our lives because we're not still enough to see them and to uh, allow them to happen. That that's a um, that kind of an experience is a real gift, isn't it? To really, really have one of those moments. It's it's I can count um, on on. Uh, fewer fingers than one hand, the peak experiences that I've had. I, uh, so it's, it's, it's not something that happens a lot. But I do think we can talk about peakish experiences, experiences that are somewhat transcendent, that tend to be uh, more you know, maybe intellectual or um, uh, more experiences of of the transcendent than of the valley. I do think we have some of those in our lives. But again, it's the practice of stopping that makes it accessible. Because if we're not still enough, we're certainly not going to notice those kinds of things. Yeah. You know, the, uh, many people use that term God moments. And if we're mm, not yeah. still enough, we don't even recognize the God moments in front of us. No. Right. So it, it, the, this, the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew scriptures talk about the, seeing God in the small, soft, gentle breeze. Yeah. Okay, it's not in the wind. It's not in the storm. Or as you said earlier, be still, be still and know. As uh, a matter of fact, there were a little book with that title, "Be Still and Know." If you're still, you will know. If you are not still, you might not. Uh, I firmly believe that yeah and i i love 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 the phrase stop breathe and remember you use that in the book stop breathe and remember it reminds me of a famous fire safety campaign stop drop and roll it was so easy Uh and so catchy and you know and everyone was saying you know we would go through school and we'd go oh yeah stop drop and roll stop drop and roll Mm -hmm. i can Mm -hmm. see this slogan david on t-shirts and mugs stop yes breathe and remember so um, yeah that catchy phrase really yes that's a still point that's a still point and Mm -hmm. and then it also is that soul care it's like stop yes breathe yes both have great great benefits and the stop and the breathe bring you into the remembering it's so easy to implement here it's like oh yeah remember my why my what and my why Uh you know i i um in the fall of last year i caught myself so overwhelmed with all of those too muches, too much, too much, too much, that literally, David, I cleared my schedule and I said, okay, I'm I'm taking everything out of my calendar, everything off my schedule, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to only put back what has meaning to me. Mm -hmm. And what happens, I think you'll love this, and maybe you could coach me through it, and and our listeners who who might be able to relate. But what happened was, I began putting things back that had meaning, and there were so many obligations there that still were there like what are you going to do with this one julie what are you going to do with that one julie you know Mm -hmm. you're in the middle of this project or you're working with this group of people doing this and what are you going to do with it but what began to happen that i didn't notice until the turn of 2021 was i evaluated things that had meaning to me that were nurturing that i that that i think were loving toward me but after the turn of this year in 2021 i began to i I was working in a program and was identifying my um 
my calling and why I was here. And it all came in with a laser beam um, clarity. So then all of a sudden, all those things that I loved that were meaningful, that brought joy to my life, they weren't necessarily aligned with my soul's purpose or my evolutionary purpose. I'm using that term now to be a mm-hmm. part of this conscious evolution on the planet instead of calling it my soul's purpose. And so a lot of those things that were meaningful really weren't getting me from A to to B on my path per se. Uh-huh. So literally uh-huh. I had to start over again and take things off of my calendar. And I, I haven't mastered that yet, but, but the stop, breathe and remember is a good mantra for all of us to stay really focused on that because it, it does clear out distractions. Yes, and that's a, you've just given a perfect example of stopping. Yeah, I, thank you. Uh, that's exactly the process. You, you, things become clear eventually. And often, as you also mentioned, it doesn't happen right away. Just like when I went away for my month retreat on the coast. Uh, I didn't come back with all kinds of new insights. No, they were only gradual. They come to you gradually. And, and, and the, the work of stopping is sometimes uh, uh, slow in coming and quiet in coming. Uh, and that was a good, a great example of it. I appreciate your saying it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I just want to, like, presence that for you. Thank you with the stop, breathe, and remember, because it really brings such rich value to this book and this practice. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the pandemic was a huge event that really invited all of us into some stopping here, that a lot of people's lives were affected, whether they liked it or not, there was a lot of stopping happening. What have you learned from the pandemic um, last year, this year, and and as you're working with people and, and listening to others, what's, what's really helpful as they're facing sometimes um, not by choice. Um, right. Stopping. Yeah. So One of the learn? things that I learned and uh, was not to be so, not to be too glib about stopping or about anything that one might say when, when, as you indicate, when you think of uh, some, some people, in this pandemic, uh, it's just overwhelming. I don't. I don't know how. I don't know how they do it. Um, so I don't want to be at all glib in, in this and, and, and pretend that this isn't incredibly challenging for so so many people. Um, so one of the things that I like to encourage people to do in the pandemic is to. Be aware that this is, yes, this is a kind of stopping, but in a way it, it's, it's a different kind of stopping because it's, um, it's not chosen. It's, it's like uh, being sick stopping. It's like uh, there's certain things you have to do, uh, like the, 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 the parents I'm talking about with two kids and two jobs and homeschooling. Uh, you know, you, you just got to, <laughs> you got to get things done. So, so, what I'm encouraging people to do is do stopping within stopping. Even though it's a pandemic, it doesn't mean that you've got more leisure. In fact, on the contrary, for many, many people, for old retired folks like me, it, yes, 
but not for many other people. So realize that within the pandemic itself, you still, uh, if you can, in any way possible, carve out these moments of stopping for yourself. And, and don't assume that the pandemic is the kind of stopping that I'm talking about. It's more like the being sick kind of stopping that you, that you indicated with your accident. Yeah. So I just want to... Um talking about those families and the homeschooling and another mm-hmm. part of that cultural disease that we that we talked about earlier is literally our kids are running our kids yes, are yes, yes. so busy that you know the oh. average students in my town is way overextended with extracurricular activities and cultural expectations i know some even drive long distances to be a part of club ball and club tournaments and the families are gone every weekend there's just so much so much yeah what do you how how do we bring stopping to our youth to the kids yeah oh i i i just really relate to this and and it's it's also very very challenging and difficult i think of times that i had at least uh maybe you um when when we were kids um we had these moments of quiet. My, I can remember my mother saying to me, "Go outside and play." You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think parents say that to kids these days. Uh, I don't think kids have that quiet time. I have a little story in the book about being with my grandfather on his pig farm, and he would take me out with him when I was a boy, little boy, and he'd say, "Okay, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm going to go do this. Go, go play by yourself. Do whatever you want." So I'd wander around his farm. And that was a wonderful time for 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 a kid. It, it, it's a wonderful time for any kid to have that quiet time. It's safe. You wander around. You look at this. You you kick that. You try this. You uh, you discover this. It's just that still time in which I was learning things. I didn't know I was learning things at the time. One doesn't, but one is that I was with my grandfather, who was from Ireland, who who liked to have me with him, and I was learning all that kind of thing, but kids today don't have that kind of time. So what I would encourage parents to do more than anything is try to find time to give your kids to do nothing, even though they might complain about it, even though they might say, oh, I'm bored, or what can we do now? Um, don't, don't give up. <laughs> or, or find time in which you can hang out with them and just be still. Uh, like maybe just walking around the block or uh, getting back into nature. That That's such an important part of stopping, too, is, is mm. getting into nature is, as much as possible. Go into nature with your kids, yeah. even if it's the park down the street. It doesn't make any difference. And just be still. Just be still with them. Notice the notice nature. Be part of it. Uh, your your basic saying, we're connected to everything. That's a good way to, to realize that connection. So those are the only insights I might have for for these challenged parents. I my heart goes out to them. Yeah, you know, I just um, had an insight while you were talking. It, it a lot of times, and I it's a generation above me, but idle time was seen as time for the devil. It was it was right. bad. You know, it was yeah, like devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, that idle time is the devil's workshop, and and. It's time to break that myth. And so I love your idea 
about going out in nature. You also, you know, t- you talk about a few other rituals, um, reading, writing, beauty. I mean, all the arts to me um, are a good place to start. Exactly. You know, like enjoying art, creating art, creating rituals and sacraments and, and finding sacred spaces in our homes mm. or mm. being with our animals. There's, there's a lot of ways for us to do this. Um, I'm wondering what would be the most ideal way to envelop the art of stopping that um, perhaps isn't is an entry besides the small um, go into the bathroom, look in the mirror, you run the cold water on your wrist, but those, um, well, I should go back to the um, intermediate. I, I'm having a, a moment of going, Oh, whoa, whoa, what was the name of that one? Um, stopover. Not the Yeah. The stopover. Thank you. What, mm-hmm. what are some easy, gentle, stop over ideas for those whose interests might be piqued and they're like, you know what, I can commit to this. Let me try a week. Let me try a day. Let me try a month. What kind mm-hmm. of stop over um, in it? Like you had mentioned, it's not always that you do absolutely nothing and sit in the chair for a month, but you know, music and art. When I mentioned all those things, I could, I could create a beautiful retreat for myself and others around some of those ideas. Right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, one of the ways I encourage people to do it is to structure it. Um, uh, go on a retreat. A lot of a lot of places have retreat houses that are uh, accessible uh, and they, you don't have to specifically be too religious about it. Um, but it's it's you have a you have a. Um, a community with which to do it. You have a place to do it. Um, or just like another example in my book is a, a, an old man who takes a bus trip, a day long or a two day long bus trip to visit his daughter. And he's on a bus all by himself. And he says, I didn't realize it, but that was really a stopover for me. I was, I didn't talk to anybody. I was alone. I looked out the window and I just stopped your own weekend retreat or even just staying home, as they call it, they talk about staycations these days. Uh, stay home and do nothing. Um, give yourself a birthday gift, a day off for rest and rejuvenation. Uh, anything that helps you be still and hear your inner voice. Do it with a friend, even though, say, you and a friend go away and rent a motel room somewhere, and you're together, but you're not interacting. You give each other space, or you take walks and so forth. In other words, this is where the art comes in. This is where you bring your imagination to what you can you can try to do to do a stopover. And it's challenging, I must say, especially in our culture that doesn't reward it. People are going to say, she's doing what? She's going away for two days? Then what a waste of time. What are her kids going to do? And so forth. Uh, or, Dad, what do we, you're going to leave us for three days? Who's, you know? So it's, it's, it's challenging. I certainly admit that. Yeah. So just thank you for that. The, the 
still points, stopovers, and grinding halts. It's like the invitation is to do it intentionally, plan it, the still points and the stopovers, and the grinding halts don't have to come at you so harshly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it is, you know, contemplative prayer is a beautiful invitation that, that brings us into the still point. There are a lot of other practices you know heart math has the heart coherence that when you mm-hmm. when you stop breathe bring your awareness into your heart and mm-hmm. remember it's the goal though being to hear that voice to allow that inner guidance system to work efficiently and yes. and, and really serve your highest good so we have about like three minutes left David, and this went by so fast. I wonder if there's anything more you want to say to our listeners that we haven't had an opportunity to say yet today. Well, one of the things I think is important to keep in mind as a basic uh, truth that might encourage you to, to, to start the practice of stopping, putting still points in your life, is to remember this, this, this syllogism that is... Um, brought to us by Milan Kundera, who's a Czech novelist. And he says this, slowness is to remembering as speed is to forgetting. In other words, the slower you go, the quieter you are, the more you remember. The faster you go, the more you forget. Imagine yourself you're walking down the street and you want to remember somebody's name and you're thinking and you're thinking and you look up at the sky and you gradually stop. You scratch your head. Ah, that's the name I want. And then you keep going again. So when you, you, we, it's just a, just a natural human thing. You slow down when you, need to remember, when you need to remember and you speed up if you want to forget. So the faster we go, the more we forget. And then, of course, the tragic thing happens. Not only do we forget, but we forget that we forgot. We forgot that we forgot. Mm. And it's absolutely inaccessible to us because it's no longer in our consciousness. Slowing down brings it back because it's, it's somewhere in our consciousness. It's there. The wisdom is there. It's always there. It's always available if we're just slow enough to remember it. So remember that slowing down, you'll remember. Speeding up if you want to forget. Mm. slowing down and you will remember and stop breathe and remember i see i still love that one david i think that Good. i can see Thank you you, you got to get some t-shirts and some and some coffee mugs i you know yeah. that's if i yeah i should do that i should <laughs> well david thank you for joining us today and bringing the art of stopping to all of our listeners here we really 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 need it in today's world and it is good medicine thank you Thank you so much, Julie. I've really enjoyed being with you, and I appreciate it a great deal. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining us. I want to leave you with the words of Dr. David Kuntz. He wrote, Stopping brings you awake into an awareness of the present moment, but it also helps you bring together the threads of your history, of your stories. It helps you to remember who you are, where you come from, where you are going, and where you want to go. To remember your original goals, ideals, and dreams, and to remember why you started doing what you do so that you can see if that still 
what you want to do. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now. Bye for now.